Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. God bless everybody. Certainly good to be here. Um, in, the, in the past, um, maybe not here so much, but over the past few years, I've ministered a lot on um, the God kind of health written three books on it, spoken at seminars for doctors, surgeons and professors of medicine and um, I believe that God wants us to be healthy and the Bible is absolutely full of scriptures and teaching on health Uh, and there's other uh, um, areas of interest that we need to study. Let let me read this scripture to you first. It's found in the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 to 22. It says, my son Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them uh, depart from your eyes. Now it says here we need to get things before our eyes. I love um, reading the Bible. I love finding things that are going to be uh, an application to me so that I can use that scripture to benefit my life and the lives of others. And it says here, uh, we've got to put them before our eyes. It says, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are light to those who find them. And then it says, health to all their flesh. I believe in having healthy flesh. I believe in having a healthy heart. I believe in having great lungs. And uh, I, I, I really, um, really want to stay young too. I want to be just blessed. Now, I've got lights going up and down here. Can you just straighten those out for me? Oh, they're working on them. You, you pray for them, I'll preach. So the other thing that I've been um, very much uh, blessed by is that God has told us, every single born-again believer, to write the vision and to make it plain. And I want to read that scripture to you too because we need to have different kinds of vision. Some people think, oh, I've just got to have a vision for living for the Lord. And that's true, but God put us here down on earth and um, uh, we need to know what God wants us to do down here on earth for ourselves, for our families, for our health and also in ministry. And there's a scripture in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. It says, write the vision and make it plain. Um, some people in the Christian faith hear, that, hear this verse all the time, but they've never really written down a vision for themselves. And God wants you to be particular. It says, um, write the vision and make it plain that he may run who reads it. You, you can't really write a vision and see it come to pass if you don't run with it. You've got to take it in your hand, you've got to put it before your eyes, and then you've got to run with it. Uh, and then it goes on and it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Let me explain that just briefly. Some people, um, they will uh, pray or they'll um, write down the vision and if it doesn't um, come to pass by 3 o'clock this afternoon, they give that up and they say, well, God, I've done that. Let me, let me try something different. Uh, the Bible says, uh, but in the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Don't get impatient, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry, will not tarry. I am firmly convinced that God has planned for every single born again and 
every single non-believer a vision and a future. He wants us to go out and preach the gospel and to see people absolutely born again. Habakkuk had a good scripture for us. What I want to do, I want to talk about a number of people in the Bible and what they did connected or what they said connected. Some people, when they read the Bible, they just read it. They get up in the morning and they say, well, I've got to have a Bible reading and, and they open up their Bible and they read a, a chapter from the New Testament and a chapter from the Old Testament and by the time they get to the first set of lights on the way to work, they forgot what they read. Right. I'm, I'm, I tell people I'm a slow reader. I like to read it over and over and over until finally something drops into my spirit and it becomes alive. It may not be alive in my heart the first day or the second day, but let me tell you, after a while, it will drop into your spirit. And then what I do, I like to connect things. I like to connect people in the Bible, what they said in the Bible, what they did in the Bible. And, um, and so I, I begin doing some of my studies um, with uh, Moses. Moses was the guy who wrote the Ten Commandments. Um, he didn't have pen and paper. He went up and he wrote it on stone after God did it the first time. Um, but the, the first things we read of Moses is that Moses was a child born um, and put in the bulrushes. He was being hidden from uh, the Egyptians and his mother and sister looked after him and finally he grew up. He became a great architect in Egypt. And, and then uh, one day he went out and even though he was like the, 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 the Pharaoh's um, son, he, he did a thing that was not appreciated. He got into a fight with a, um, a, a, a soldier and he died and then Moses took off. He went up into the hill country and uh, at 40 years old he began looking after sheep. And he, and he hung around the mountains for the next 40 years. He became a shepherd. Uh, uh, not a great exciting life. Until one day, God appears to him. Did you know God wants to appear to everybody? You might say, oh, gee, I'm praying for my mum, I'm praying for my dad and my uncle John, you know. Um, let me tell you, God wants to appear to him in one way or another. And so um, God wanted to appear to Moses because God had something for Moses to do. He had a job for Moses. And so Moses looked up on the side of the mountain and he saw that there was a fire. Being a shepherd, he wanted to protect his sheep. So he goes up the mountain. And when he gets to the mountain where the fire was, he found that the, 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 the bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning. It wasn't being destroyed, which is a real miracle for, for this man Moses. And, and then what God did, God introduced himself to Moses. God wants to introduce himself to every single person on the face of the earth. But when we, as Australians, when, when we meet someone for the first time, uh, I'll go up and say, hi, my name's Greg Bedell. I tell him who I am. And that's what God did with Moses. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That's who I am. He introduced himself to Moses. Then he went on and he told Moses what he had. He said, I have a people. And I want you to know that God has a people right here now on planet Earth. He said, I have a people. Then he went on in his introduction and he said to Moses, and I have something I want to see accomplished. These people are in bondage and have been in bondage for over 400 years. 
and I want to deliver them from their bondage. I think by this time Moses was a bit excited and then until God turned around and said, uh, and now Moses, um, I want you to go to Egypt and deliver them. And Moses probably said something like, hang on, I thought you were going to do it. And God was going to do it, but God was going to do it through Moses. And here on planet Earth today, we have, if, if you, look, don't, uh, I don't really listen to the news anymore because half it's a lot of lies, half it's a lot of pretend, and uh, most of it's not truth if it comes from some politician's faces, you know. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? You just don't know what to believe. But I do believe this, that God loves the world. It doesn't say God loved the Christians. It doesn't say God loved the Jews. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So now he's called us to go out and to complete what Jesus started. Preach the gospel to every creature. The first person I want to talk about this morning is a man called Moses. And you know he saw the burning bush and God said, now I want you to go. And, uh, but before he sent him down the mountain, he said to Moses, you have a rod in your hand and I want you to do something with that rod. Let me tell you the scripture. It's found in Exodus chapter 4, verse 17. And he says, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do signs. You'll take the rod and you will do signs. I was really blessed after the first service. Somebody came up and said to me, Oh, I heard a sermon like that uh, back when I was a young boy and it said, whatever you got in your hand, use it. Use it for, for the Lord. And, uh, and, and there's another scripture I'm just thinking on now. Um, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Don't do it with half your strength. Don't do it half-heartedly, but do it with all your might. And so Moses went down back to Egypt, met Pharaoh, got his brother Aaron and said, let my people go. But Pharaoh didn't want to let people, the people go. He wanted to keep them as slaves. And Moses said, well, I'm going to do something now. And this is the power of God. Remember, he was going to use the power. He said, I'm going to do something now. And I'm going to go put the rod of God, the rod of God, and I'm going to put it over um, the Nile River. And as soon as he did, something took place. It turned into blood. The people couldn't drink anymore. The people couldn't um, refresh themselves anymore. And of course, this upset Pharaoh and the whole of Egypt. You know that where the Jews were, it didn't turn to blood. The, the, the plagues didn't bother them. And, and so finally, Moses uh, lets them go. They go out from Egypt. They, they go to the Red Sea. When they get to the Red Sea, it's a big sea. It's very deep. People couldn't cross over until Moses remembered what God said. He said, I'm going to put the rod out like God said. And as he did that, the waters parted and the people walked across on dry land, dry land. Then it fell back and the Egyptian armies were drowned. And so now Moses got the hang of doing what God told him to do. I wish every Christian could get the hang of what God tells us to do. I really do. It's not very deep, is it? God says, do this, you know. Um, do. The Bible says, love one another. So then don't go around hating anybody. 
Just love people. Just love. And the Bible says forgive one another. What, what you do, you go around forgiving one another. It's, it's not really a deep thing. Some people think that's beyond them. But all we have to do to be successful in the things of life and the things of God is to just read the word, say, yep, that's what I'm going to do, and to do it. Now, Moses and the children of Israel crossed over the other side of the um, Red Sea. And it was during a time of drought. There was no rain. There was no water. And after a while, they became very thirsty. And they went through a valley. This valley name was the Valley of Rephidim. And there was a tribe who were, they didn't like the Jews. And they were called the Amalekites. And the Bible says in the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verse 9, and eight, eight and nine there, it says, Now Amalek came and he fought with Israel in uh, Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Uh, tomorrow I will stand on top of the mountain or on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Moses was remembering what God told him to do. Because on the rod back in those days, and, and I have uh, Jewish blood, both my uh, grandparents were Jewish and my great-grandfather was a Jewish businessman in America. And um, uh, I, I just love studying Jewish culture. And I learned from my studies over the years that in Israel, when a young lad was, um, becomes a, a man, his father would give him a gift, and that gift was a rod. And then on the bottom of the rod, he would write his name. He would write his father's name. And he would begin writing down the history of the things that he'd already done in God and the history of the things that God had asked him to do, the, 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 the prophetic words, like David did. And so then um, what happened was um, uh, uh, Moses went up to the mount with his brother and a man called Hur, but he took the rod with him because on the rod, Moses had all written, already written Moses, shepherd, burning bush experience then the rod and the Nile turning blood then the rod and the Red Sea opening up and as soon as something happened in God he'd write it down because he wanted to remember what God had done through his ministry so now the Amalekites are attacking they were attacking the old people from the rear, which was not good. And the Bible says he did not respect God. Amalek did not respect God. So Moses goes up on the hill. Joshua goes out and fights the battle. Then the Bible says that as Moses put the rod of God up, he could see all the writing of the things that God had called him to do and the things that he wanted Moses to do and he could read it see when we write the vision we write it plainly then what we do we put it up and we read it and I told the folk this morning Susie here she writes a vision all the time she writes on our charts I mean we got more charts than you could imagine and they're all over the walls in fact, Susie, we, we have a new daughter-in-law and um, she's a teacher at a children's school. And so the first thing Susie does is give her these big bunch of charts to take and put in the schools. 
We had one chart, our Australian chart, with all wonderful words on it, shaped like Australia. And um, I was up in Cairns and um, someone purchased one. I can't remember everybody who purchased what, but, but um, uh, a week later... This, this school rang me up, it was a government school, and said, can you send up another couple of hundred charts? I said, are you going to give them to all your children? And they weren't even a Christian school, they were just a government school. And, and the headmaster said, no, 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 we're going to stick it on every single wall, wall, uh, wall in our school because we want the kids to see the good things they should say and do. Isn't that good? And so God's word to us is write a vision, make it plain, and then he says, I want you to run with it. I want you to run with it. Here's Moses now. He's up there, um, puts it up, reads it, and every time Moses puts the rod up, um, guess what? Israel wins the battle against the Amalekites. Against the Amalekites. Can I just tell you now, Amalek was a type of Satan. All right? What we need to do is continually uplift the word of God and put Amalek down. Right? It's, a, it's called a spiritual warfare. And, and so um, then uh, the battle's won. Joshua comes, meets up with Moses and says something like, gee, we had a great time. We, we thrashed them. And Moses said, hang on, there's another thing I've got to tell you. And that scripture is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verse 14. It says, then Moses uh, then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book. Not on stone this time, but in the book. And recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Recount means to say it over and over and over and over. Sometimes you can read a scripture and say, well, I've read that one. I won't read that one again. No, no. You read it over and over and over. And it becomes alive in your spirit, man. And so he, he reads it to uh, Joshua. And then he says... Uh, recounted in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek. Now listen to those words. He says, because I will utterly, totally, absolutely blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, from under heaven. And so... Um, after that was done, the children of Israel wandered for another 40 years through the wilderness... Then Joshua takes over as the leader. He was a judge. He takes over. But before they go into the promised land, Joshua says something in the book of Deuteronomy. And it's in Deuteronomy 25, verse 17 to 19. And God says, Remember what Amalek did to you along the way as you were coming out of Egypt and how he met you along the way, attacked your rear ranks and the stragglers and all those in the rear who were tired and weary. And he did not fear God or respect God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, listen to this next bit, that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and you will not forget to do it. This is a commandment. And just as much as it was a commandment for Israel to do it, it's a commandment for us as believers today to continually put down and put underfoot the name of Satan. He's not our boss. We are over him. And we've been given that power through Jesus Christ and, and the blood he shed on Calvary.
So now I, I want to um, uh, just tell you a little bit about uh, culture, Jewish culture. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I love my Jewish culture. I study Jewish culture quite a bit. And as I do, I find things that link up with different areas in the Word of God. And I have read many times about people who are called scribes. And I think all of you will know what a scribe is. A scribe is a person who scribes or writes. Right? But back in those days, there were scribes, and these scribes lived in every village, every town, every city, every rural area. There was little areas where the scribes would come along and they would write. And what they wrote was copies of the Word of God like the book of Isaiah, the book of Proverbs, and they would continue every day. They go, they go to work every day and they would write and come back then and keep on writing until they finished the book. And then those books were actually sold to people coming through the land. Like in the New Testament, there was the man called the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip went and joined himself with that man and said, what are you doing? He says, I'm reading the word. I'm reading the word. And so... Reading the Word is excellent for our spirit man. And, um, and so these um, scribes, they would uh, not go down to the local um, Woolworths or the local you know, stationery store and buy some pen and paper. They didn't have paper in those days. They would write on big rolls of papyrus and they would make their own pens. They would go down to the local pond and they would cut some reeds and then they would cut, cut the, the pen at the end and make a nib um, which would write perfectly. These pens were called reed pens. And so then they would go to their office and they would open up a, their, their scriptures they're writing on. But before they put pen to paper, they would get another piece of... Um, uh, papyrus over on the side, little small bit, bit of rubbish papyrus, and the scribe would place the pen into the ink pot, then come down and write a word on the scrap papyrus. That word was written by every scribe every day in every city right through their life. And that word was the word Amalek. Remember, a thousand years, Amalek. You might say, well, what did they do that for? Because God said, you will blot out the name of Amalek utterly. And so the scribe would now take the pen, write the word Amalek over here on the spare scrap piece of stuff, and when he wrote it, he would reach back into the pot, dip the pen into the ink, and then he would blot out that name. Every day. Every man. Thousands and thousands of scribes. Every day. Every day. That's why we need to put Satan underfoot. We need to put him down. Never agree with him. Do you know why you don't agree with the devil? You might say, but sometimes he makes sense. No, he never makes any sense. The Bible says three things about Satan. He's a liar. He's the father of liars. And there is no truth in him. That has to tell me something. I have to wake up and say, hang on, God's right. Devil's wrong. Don't believe him. Let's get on with the business of the Lord. And so they wrote down that they, they blotted him out. And you shall not forget. You shall not forget. 
So now we come along to a young man called David. You know about David. David was the giant slayer. David was one of many sons. And when he got to a certain age, his dad said to him, son, um, I want you to be looking after the family sheep. You're here with me. Your brothers are off in the army, but you're here um, looking after the sheep. And I want to give you this as we give to all men in your age. We want to give you a rod. This is your rod. So David goes out that night, gets his rod, sits under a juniper tree as the sheep are all sleeping. He gets his little knife out and he cuts into the bottom of that rod where the rod touches the earth and he said, David, son of Jesse. He wrote down who he was, who he was. Let me tell you, this all started back in Moses' day because when Moses was having problems with the people, he said to God, I'm, I'm, I'm only one man and they're a couple of million and they're, they're really, you know, not doing what I want them to do uh, and I need a lot of help, God. And God said, well, bring in um, a leader of every tribe, bring him into the tent and we're going to nominate a priestly tribe. I think they all wanted to be the priestly tribe but God said, it's not up to me. It's up, uh, Moses said, it's not up to me, it's up to God. So he said, I want everybody to write their name on the bottom of the rod. You can read it in the Bible. Write your name on the bottom of the rod. Then leave it here, go home, come back in the morning. When they came back in the morning, those rods were still there with everybody's name on the bottom, except the rod of Aaron had budded. It had come alive. The Word of God, it's alive. It's always alive, always has been alive, and always will be alive. They wrote their names. So now David, he goes out and he writes on the bottom of his rod, David, son of Jesse. Then something happened. His sheep were attacked by a lion. And the Bible says he went out and he overcame and killed the lion. That night he writes down again, David killed the lion. A little while later, similar thing, a bear comes. He goes out, grabs the bear by the beard and slays it, writes down, a part of his history again. Son of David. The David, son of Jesse, killed the lion, killed the bear. And every night he would sit there and he'd roll that little rod around and he'd read the things that God had done for him and through him. Then one day the Lord visited the high priest, a man called Samuel. And he said to Samuel, he said, Samuel, the king which people built up, elected, you're not doing any good. You're doing wrong things. But I have a man who's a man of God. I have a man who is a man after my own heart, the Bible says. David was a man after the, God's own heart. He said he's going to be the next king. Remember I said to you in the first part of the message that you will write a vision and it will come to pass, but don't expect it to come around at three in the morning, three in the afternoon. Uh, it's going to take time sometimes. And so he said to Samuel, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to take your anointing pot and I want you to go to the house of Jesse and I want you to anoint one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. Up comes Samuel, goes off, comes to the house. Jesse's there, a whole bunch of sons. And he says to Jesse, the Lord has appointed and wants to anoint the next king of Israel for one of your sons. They all lined up. 
It'll be me, I think. I'm better looking. I'm taller. You know, I've got better breath than him. Stinks like a, stinks like a cow. They all line up. Samuel comes along with his oil. And he puts it out like this. Time and time again, nothing happened. Disappointment hit the ranks. So Samuel said, well, there must be another son. And the brother said, oh, no, not really. Just, just a young kid, you know, a nobody. Short as you could imagine. He's out looking after the sheep. You don't want him. Try again with us. The prophet said, no, no, no. I want to see him. So David comes. Samuel picks up his anointing oil. And he pours it. And it comes all over. Young David. And David is anointed <coughs> to be the next king of Israel. Let me tell you what David didn't do. David didn't run into town and say to Samuel, get off the throne, it's mine now. Didn't do that. No, you know what he did? He went back doing what he was called to do. He looked after his father's sheep. He was an obedient and a faithful young man. One day, his dad said, son, there's a war going on with the Philistines and they have a giant called Goliath. I want you to... <coughs> Go to see your brothers on the battlefield. And I want you to take these biscuits and uh, these cheeses and give to your brothers and to the captains of the army. Let's see what David did next morning, very early. Got up, he took off. He took off. He was appointed to do the will of the Father. That's what we're called to do, isn't it? We need to do the will of the Father. So he comes into where the troops are, where his brothers are, finds his brothers <coughs> and um, gives them the cheese and, and the bickies and, and then he hears this roar of a, a loud noise and it was somebody challenging Israel to become a champion, go out and fight Goliath. But no one went. David says, what's happening? We've got an enemy out there and no one's doing anything. It is so sad that this world has a lot of people who are in the armies of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're still not doing anything. So David said some words. Their words, when I first read them, they became important to my life. David turned around when they said, well, no one's going out. We've got no one to send out. No, no one's got the guts. Can I say guts? All right, I'll do it Susie's way. Susie's English. She don't know much about Australians. She's English. Susie actually grew up as a child in England in a castle by the name of Scrivelsby Court. And that castle was built by William the Conqueror for the King's Champion. Then they sold it to the Americans. Susie came here, we got married, and I took her to New Guinea. I don't think she knew what hit her for the first month. <laughs> Did you, doll? My English girl. So they said to David, oh, well, who's going to go out and fight? I'll go out and fight. And the brothers said, listen, you naughty little boy, get your, you know, get your sandals on and get yourself back to Dad and look after those measly little sheep. And David said these words. Listen to these words. He said, is there not a cause? Some of the strongest words that were ever written in the Old Testament. Is there not a cause? Now, because... David was a psalmist. <clears throat> I don't really think he really said it. I think he sang it. 
And he sang it probably with a bit of a tune. And he goes, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And people were affected by what he was doing. And then next minute someone answered and said, yeah, is there not a cause? And so, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And then all of a sudden they're all singing it. All, all the soldiers are singing. The captains are singing. I don't know about the brothers. They were telling him to go home because he's a naughty little boy. But they were singing and singing. It got louder and louder. And finally it came to the ears of King Saul. Saul says, what is this commotion? So they get David up into the king's area. And, and I, think, I think King Saul was hiding under the bed. He was, Saul wasn't going out. He didn't want to die. David wasn't concerned about dying. Do you know why David wasn't concerned about dying? He had a word. He had a word. So, so King Saul says, well, hang on, I think I can help you well. Probably won't last a day or half a minute. But let me give you my sword and my shield and my breastplate and, 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 and um, um, everything else. And, and you go out with that. David said, I can't go out with that. Because it's not tested. I haven't tried it. I don't know it. I don't have confidence <coughs> in your stuff. Let me tell you about David. David was from the tribe of Judah. King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Benjaminite. So I studied Saul and the Benjaminites. The Benjamites were a little bit different. They had a special gift. They were basically left-handed. And the Bible says that when they shot their slings, they could shoot a sling to such accuracy, it was always within a hair's breadth. Saul had that ability, but he hid it under the bed. He didn't want to do it because he walked in fear and he didn't walk in faith. You with me so far? So now David says, you can't help me. I'm going. David says, bless you, boy. So now my question is, and this is what happens when you read the Bible and you get to the end of the chapter and you go back and then you go back and then you go back and, and then what happens is you see things that are hidden in there. And my question to most Christians today, what did David take with him when he went out to fight uh, the giant. What are the, what are the things that David took? Most people will say he slingshot and five smooth stones. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says he had his slingshot, but when he left the rooms of King Saul, he took his rod. He took his rod. He took his word. He took his prophecies from the priest. You with me? They went with him. He couldn't go without his rod. Then the Bible says something, and this is really important to know. It says that as Saul, um, uh, sorry, as David aged, David did things. He meditated day and night. He meditated. What did he meditate on? The Word. The Word. The promises. Of the did you know that you can prophesy over yourself of things to come? And the Bible says if they're a pr prophecy and not a pathetics, you know, the difference between being a pathetic and a prophet, 
If they're of the Word of God, you will see that you are always a valiant champion. You're not a weakling. You're a doer and not just a hearer. God has called you, irrespective of your education, whether you've been to Bible school or not. Now, going to Bible school is good. Amen. I don't know you, do I? Where are you from? Oh, you good pair of Mary Tassel. Me hamamas to Masia. We were missionaries in New Guinea. So now, <clears throat> David writes another part of the Bible, which is called the Psalms. And in Psalms 23 and verse 4, David said these words, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm telling you now, there were two armies and there was David in the middle. And as David walked out, I can tell you what the Jews were thinking, the brothers were thinking, he's dead meat. He ain't going to make it. I mean, look at him. He's you know, short and skinny. And the giant is nine foot tall or something. He's never going to make it. Both sides thought he wouldn't make it. But David had a word from the Lord. And David walked away from the camp of Israel <coughs> into the camp of the opposing army and that giant. And he writes, writes down the road, later down the road, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it says, I will fear no evil. Why? Why wouldn't he fear any evil? He says here, For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you understand? Can you see the connection between the rod and the word? The rod and his faith. The rod and his obedience. So now David goes, picks up some stones from a brook. Then he goes down and as he gets closer to the giant, he begins to run. <coughs> he's got his ammunition here. <coughs> and as he runs, his rod is like his GPS It says, go right, go left, straight ahead. And he's got his rod up like this and he's reading it. And he can read, David, son of Jesse, David, killed the lion, killed the bear. David prophesied uh, um, through Samuel the prophet, next king of Israel. He didn't have any fear. He was so excited he was running. But let me tell you, the people in the world, they are deceived. They don't understand godly Christian um, principles. And Goliath at the other end, he sees this kid run along, probably a little wobbly legs, and he's got this, this rod in his hand and he's swinging this stone and, and the giant is completely deceived and he doesn't say, oh, oh, oh no, he's got a rod, he's had a, he's had a word from the Lord. I'll tell you what he said, he said, how dare you come and attack me with sticks? <laughs> sticks. I said to the people this morning, when you study the Hebrew language, you will find that the name Goliath in the Hebrew is the name Galah. I think David was run down and said, oh, you're nothing but a Galah, mate. <laughs> Here, I'm going to give you a little, little gift in the temple. Isn't that lovely? 
for your rod and your staff, they come for me. Have you got your rod written out? Huh? Have you have you got your have you written your 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 your, your, your um, vision? Let me tell you, you have to write your vision. Let me just go on to um, uh, another section here because this is a very important. You getting anything? These things are connected. You understand connection, word connection, Bible connection, God connection. So, so we we go back to the Old Testament again, and um, there's a guy called. Uh, Elijah. You know about Elijah? He was a prophet and he would go all around Israel in the promised land and um, he would be given prophecies from God and God would ask him to do things and he would um, uh, write it down and uh, preach the gospel or preach the word back in those days and, and Israel is not all we think it is. Sometimes when we read the Bible, it seems like the sun's always out and nice and warm. But half the year is cold as. It snows in Israel. And um, uh, what happened was this man, uh, him and his two IC, Gehazi, they would travel and in winter they'd be lying under a tree, um, snowing on them and uh, no motels like we do today. So there was this lady and her husband and... She's known as the Shunammite woman. And she said to her husband, you know, um, uh, the prophet Elijah is a good man. He's out there day and night uh, ministering on behalf of the Lord. And so can we do something for him? Can, can we build on the side of our little cottage here another room for him and his two I see? And the husband says yes. And so they invited uh, Sam, uh, they invited um, Elijah into this home. And in the home, they had a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp, and there he could rest. And one day, Gehazi said to Elijah, uh, Elijah, he said, you know, Elijah, he said, these people don't have a son. Everybody wants to have a son to carry on their name. That's why God sent Jesus to carry on his name. And so, can you do something, a miracle, so that they can have a son? So Elijah says, yeah, go and tell them they can have a son next year. I think he was a bit of a quiet personality. So one year later, a child is born. What a wonderful miracle for a mum who is barren or not being able to have a child. And... Elijah moves on, probably comes back a few times, meets the family again. But 12 years later, the boy goes out and works in the garden with dad and he gets sickish, a bit ill. And do any of the mothers here know what the father said to, their, to a son, to their son? Does anybody do you know, Karen? Go home and talk to your mother. That's what... That's what men do, don't they? Kid's sick. Oh, off you go. Back inside. Talk to your mum. She'll fix you up. So he goes in and guess what? He dies. After he got a word. After the prophet gave a word. Well, are you going to believe a prophet or are you going to believe a circumstance? She put the boy in the prophet's bed goes and um, lies in there, his dead body, goes down, gets on a, a donkey and takes off. 
Do you know where she was going? To the source. Sometimes people go to anywhere but the source. First thing they do is they ring the doctor. I got a headache. I got a sore toe. Susie's in church this morning. You enjoying church, honey? Susie's sister died last night. But she's still here today. Do you know why? Because we're ministers of the Word of God. Sister's okay, Christian. She's with the Lord. She's having hallelujah time. So she can have a hallelujah time too. So this Shunammite lady takes off, drives down the road or rides down the road, finally finds Elijah. And Elijah, well, Dad yelled out when she was going through the gate, is everything okay? Shunammite woman says, it is well. Nothing to fear. Everything's looking up. Gets to see the prophet and the prophet says, is, is it well with you? She says, it is well. How's your boy? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> don't, don't get your uh, um, feathers ruffled because something seems to be going wrong. He says, what happened? She says, well, remember um, 12 years ago, a long time ago, 12 years ago, um, we... We had a miracle because you gave a, a word from the Lord. Hang on, he says. Got to look up me, um, my, my, you know, paperwork here. Yep, here it is, 12 years ago. I spoke a word, you will have a son. It's right down here. Didn't have a computer or didn't have a, an iPhone. <laughs> he had a rod. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. No, no. Not yet. Lots of miracles here. Oh, look, here's one. I, I rose an axe from the, from the, from the pond. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. <laughs> Healed Laz. Uh, uh, what was his name? Um, the leper. Naaman, the leper. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, here you are, right up here. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Well, we're going to have to fix that up, aren't we, if he's dead? So then he did something. He called... For his 2IC. I want to tell you, his 2IC had nothing written on his rod. He had really nothing. He hadn't performed any miracles. And Elijah says, Right, Gehazi, I want you to go, but don't take your rod. There's nothing on your rod. You've got nothing to refer to. Take my rod. See here, all the things that the Lord's done? Take this. And I want you to lay it on his body. Throw your rod on the ground. Your rod's no good. And when you go, remember what I said that happened to the vision? Run. You get a vision? Run with it. Don't sit around and wait for something to happen. Run. Go out and do something. Uh, tell someone about Jesus. You get really surprised. Get saved. And lay the rod on the boy's body and I'll be there in a little while. He comes later on and raises the boy from the dead. He says to um, Gehazi, uh, don't stop along the way. Don't go fishing. Don't go to a restaurant. Don't go meet your family. Just go here straight. Just do straight. We have a commission. We are here on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's walk or run 
Then we go over to the New Testament. Got a couple of things I want to say and then I'm going to close. There were times in the New Testament where Jesus said to the disciples um, to go out two by two. Remember that? We're sent two by two. So most people, if they think, oh yeah, what did he do when he said that? Okay, A lot of people don't remember what, what Jesus said. But I'm going to tell you what he said in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 7. There are other scriptures where he, he said different things. But in Mark, chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, And Jesus called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. When we are sent out, I want you to know, we are representing Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm giving you my power. I'm giving you the power of the Holy Ghost. You're not going to fail. You're going to succeed because I've given you my word. I've called you to go out. Don't fear when God tells you to do things. He says, and he commanded them to take nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes Susie is a little bit obstropolous. I think that's her middle name, Susie Obstropolis. Because if we go on a holiday, Susie wants to take everything, including the kitchen sink. <laughs> so do some of you girls. She's got a whole bag just with makeup. Oh, yeah. In her bag right now, I can guarantee she's got half a dozen plastic spoons and forks. That's Susie. And she loves to go on cruises because on cruises she never has to wash any dishes. She never has to cook any food. She never has to make any beds. All that happens is every night they put two chocolates on my pillow and two chocolates on Susie's pillow. And by the time I get in the door, they've all gone. <laughs> That's Susie. That's all of you. So now it says here, and he commanded them to take nothing for their journey except their staff. No rod, uh, sorry, no, no, no food, no money, no bread, no money belt. Just your rod. Now this fit very well with Peter because remember Peter, Peter had been a big failure. Peter in himself, Jesus even had to change his name from little stone or pebble to rock. But Peter, he wrote down everything. He wrote down his name, his father's name, called from being a fisherman, prophesied over Jesus, uh, from, uh, uh, by Jesus over his life. Then he goes out, he got no money. He says, Jesus, got no money. They're looking for the tax. Jesus said, oh, go down to the jetty, put your hand down, pull out a fish, shake it by the tail, and a gold coin will fall out and you can pay your tax. What a miracle. I'd love that every June. <laughs> Peter wrote down, Help Jesus feed the 5,000 with uh, five loaves and two fishes. Good story, eh? <laughs> Peter wrote down, walked on water. How many people have ever done it? They're all written down. So when Jesus said, forget about the bread, forget about the money, forget about, you know, two pairs of ungadungas, just go dressed in what you got, but take your rod because when you get out there and things are looking not, and they're not going too good, just lift up your rod and read what you've done through me and I've done through you. Is that good? Yes. Now, I've got three minutes and I want to share a testimony. I love this testimony. Some years ago, 
I was ministering in South Australia. I was in an Assemblies of God church out of, out of Adelaide. And uh, as they called me up to the pulpit to minister, a family of five walked in. I know they were a family because there was a dad and a mum and mum had made a floral dress and all the three girls had floral dresses as well. So I knew they were a family. And then I started ministering and somewhere in the message I must have mentioned that we had spent time in Darwin um, preaching up there and after the service this man came up and said to me, he said, um, uh, how long were you in Darwin? I told him. He said, did you ever meet anybody called Gus Fenner? I said, yes, Gus was one of our young people. Lovely young man, young youth leader. I said, do you know Gus? He said, yes. He said, um, I met him uh, many years ago. I said, where did you meet? He says, well, um, I know he came from the church because he was telling us about Jesus. He said, but it was no good telling us about Jesus. We were a lost cause. You know, no one's a lost cause. That's what the devil tells you, and he's a liar. And, and so he said, we weren't married. My wife and I uh, at that time were living together. He said, we only thought about three things. Drugs, alcohol, and immorality. He said, we lived in the long grass. He said, but this guy, Gus, would keep coming down and telling us about Jesus. He said, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't interested. Not interested at all. Not interested. He said, but one day Gus said to me, is there anything I can do for you? And Gus said, uh, the guy said, yes. He said, um, uh, Thursday's our dole day and the dole office is miles away. We don't have a car. He said, if we don't go, we won't get the money. He said, can you come and help us? Can you pick us up and take us to the dole office? And Gus said, yes, I'll be here. He said, I didn't think it was going to turn up. He said, but he did. He kept his word. And he said to Gus, he said, if you take me to the dole office and my girl, he said, we'll give our hearts to Jesus. He said, so we gave our hearts to Jesus. Isn't that a lovely story? I said, what do you do now? Oh, he says, I'm an Assembly of God pastor. Write the vision. Write the vision for souls. Can you just bow your head and close your eyes? I want you to know that you're the most important person in the heart of Jesus Christ. He loves you all. You might say, but you don't understand how bad I've been. We don't have to understand. We've all been there. All done that. What Jesus says is this, I love you and I want you, irrespective of what you've done, said, thought in the past, today's a new day. Today's a good day. Today's the day I want to have, make a contract with you. You repent, say, God, sorry for all those bad things. Can't even remember half of them, but I am sorry. And I want to repent. I want to, I want to have another chance in life. I want to give my heart to you, Jesus. And I want you to come, on, come in and make me a new creature. That's what, he, that's what he wants to do. And if you're here today and you're in that situation 
And don't look around at anybody else because we don't have a clue generally who's who. But I want to ask you all to pray with me. Only pray it if you really mean it. You know, I, I don't like tricking people into anything. I just want people to have an opportunity. Can you pray with me and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I do understand that you are the Son of God. You died for my sin on Calvary. I repent of my sin. Forgive me. Come into my heart and make me a new creature. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.